You're listening to Run, R-U-N, Revive Us Now podcast with Steve Gray. As pastor of the Smithton Outpouring and the Kansas City Revival, Steve is a leading voice of revival worldwide. Steve shares his life-changing encounters with God, along with biblical teaching that equips you to experience and lead lasting revival. Come, run with Steve and expect God to revive us now. Hello and welcome again to the Revive Us Now podcast. I am your host, Steve Gray, where we're going to be talking about everything we can think of about revival and the things that make it happen, the things that make it stop or make it not ever go go at all. So we, we're going to learn everything we can about it. And so that's why I'm so glad you're here because we need revival. We need revival in our churches. We need it in our lives. We need it in our country. We need it in our world. And so we're going to continue to R-U-N, run, right? Run with revival. Revive us now, God. So today we're going to talk too about kind of a little bit about salvation and where people get mixed up and don't advance very well when we talk about uh, the, the, the prostitute Rahab. And what an exciting story that is in the book of Joshua where someone so far out of everything God, God's will, God's way, not even a Jewish person, gets pulled in to the line of Jesus. Yeah, and David. And, and Jesse, and oh, it's just uh, exciting to see how this is taking place. And so here Joshua is, and now he's the leader, right? He's the leader of the Jewish people, and they've been wandering around in the wilderness. Now they've got to come into the promised land. And as you know, they come to Jericho. And so he sends a couple of spies out, sends a, two spies out to, to, to check out, you know, how they're going to make this work. And the king finds out about him. The king of Jericho finds out about him. And so they have to go into hiding. Now, somehow they end up and the king finds out that they're in Rahab's house. We don't want to push the issue of prostitute too much, but let's just go ahead and say it one more time. And they ended up there. And all of a sudden, you know, they're looking for him. Somehow the king figured out and they knew that they were there and they come looking for him. And so she decides to hide him. Now, we don't want to promote this part too much, but let's just be honest about it. She didn't tell the truth. Not only is she a prostitute, she lied. Now, maybe she thought, well, I better lie because they've been in my house. But I think she just is a very, very smart woman and figures out these are God's servants. And so, so she hides them. And uh, so they come and say, where are the men that we're looking for and all that? And she says, I have no idea. And then later when they get ready to look for him, he, she says, I think they went that away or they went this away. And she says, you'll probably catch up to him if you take off after him right now. So they listen to her and all, all along they're hidden upstairs, you know, above her house. And so after they leave and do all that, then she she uh, you know goes up and starts talking to him, and she's working a deal here. She's working a deal with him. So she she figures that they are from God, and she says, you know, all the great things she knows. She knows all the great things God did. She mentioned the parting of the sea and all the things. And so she knows what's going on with this. And she figures they're going to win. They're going to take Jericho. So she wants to be taken care of. And so now she says, look, I've hidden you. I've hidden you. And uh, now if you'll just swear to me that since I've been good to you, 
you'll be good to me when you, when you get here to come into your kingdom and uh, take this over for the kingdom of God. And so she says, give me a sure sign. And here's one of the great lines to understand how the kingdom of God works, and most of all, how salvation and the power of salvation works. Because a lot of people, they say a prayer, and then nothing after that ever takes place. They just remember that date or put it on a little card or something. That's the day I said a salvation prayer. But it's much bigger than that. And so I want to help you understand why. And, and understand the power of salvation can be activated in your life if you get this right. So anyway, she says, show me a sure sign that my father and mother, myself, my brothers, my sisters, and everybody else that belongs to me, they'll be spared and uh, you'll save us from death when you come. And here's that great line. And the spy says to her, our lives for your lives, our lives for your lives. And if you don't tell what we're doing, then we're going to be faithful to that. When God gives us the land, we'll be faithful to the promise we just gave you. Our lives for your lives. And of course, she, they get a rope and they go and they go out the window. She's got a, an apartment, I guess, <laughs> on the wall. And they go down and they say, now listen, there's a deal here, though. When, when we come back, you got to put this scarlet rope in, this red rope. Uh, which a lot of people, you know, use as a sign that we're talking about salvation here, like the blood of Jesus. You put this red rope and it's going to save you because the people that are in that house, when we come back, will be spared. But if they're not in the house, get that. Oh, my. Is that not a good sermon to be preaching? Yeah. If they're not in the house, if they wander away and get outside of the house, then there's no guarantee that they're not going to be taken captive or killed or whatever. So they make the deal and they escape. But the line that is so powerful under, helps us understand how the kingdom of God works. And that line I've already told you, our lives for your lives. Now, that's what salvation is, isn't it? See, so many people miss it because, like we said, they, they get told, well, just, uh, you know, repeat this prayer and, and you're saved then. And so we, you know, we do it and people do it. Well, maybe it works. Maybe it's like it should be. But then uh, the, you know, you get people standing outside a bar or something where a bunch of people are drunk on the inside and wait for them to come out and see if you can get a couple of drunks saved. You know, well, that's, that's the easy part, you know, getting them to re repeat the prayer and feel bad about their lives. But what are they going to do when they sober up? And maybe we're doing them a disfavor if we're telling them how saved they are when they didn't even do it in their right mind. But that's another subject. We can talk about that later. But we do know that we're missing something because salvation has become so powerless. And we have so many people that say they're saved, but there's no um, actual sign that they're saved. And I, I don't want to be picky about it, but let's think about people who say, yes, Jesus lives in my heart. All right, that's a pretty big statement. And yet there's no sign that he's in there. And you got the same troubles, the same mind, the same worries. You're living the same way. You're thinking the same way. Doesn't that Jesus in your heart mean anything? Shouldn't it change something? Well, here's why I think it doesn't work very well. And that line is powerful. Uh, our lives for your lives. Because we all know what salvation is. We know that Jesus went to the cross and he died and he gave his life for us. That's right, isn't it? 
Yeah, but here's the problem. We miss the other half of the whole story. See, the other half of the whole story is you giving your life to him. And I mean really giving it. I mean, would you want Jesus to have the same attitude of giving his life that so many people give their lives? Like he's half-hearted or I'll think about it or I'll, I'll kind of do it today, but tomorrow, no, 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 Jesus, he paid the ultimate price, didn't he? He paid the ultimate price and gave his entire life and died, rose again from the dead. And then he calls us unto himself. So this is how it gets powerful. This is how you really get the salvation is once you realize Jesus gave his life. Well, now you give your life. It's a fair exchange. It's the exchange of lives. It's not he gives his whole life and then I just live my life how I want to and wander around in the world and, and, and live any way I want. But thank God I'm saved Oh, I don't know. We better figure this out, that that's not the system that God put into motion was just whisper a few special magical words and all of a sudden it all changes. No, the idea is Jesus is going to give his life for you so you can give your life to him. It's an exchange. Our lives for your lives. So that's the promise that Rahab got and that put her in this great this great line of the kingdom of God. And so now if we get this right, we're going to find the salvation changes. We're going to find anybody that does this seriously and makes the decision, I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and he rose again from the dead. He rose again bodily from the dead. I believe that with all my heart. But I believe the whole story. I believe that now I need to release my life into his will, his ways, his word. My life, as you know, the Bible says, it's not yours anymore. No, you've been bought with a price and it's not yours. Now, if you try to monkey around with this and fool around with it and just play around religion, you can call yourself saved and you can go to church and just try to be a good person. But salvation is a life-changing, transforming power that causes you to be another person, a new creature, as we, as we say, as the Bible says. And so why has Christianity become so powerless in our day? Why do people just go to church? No sign God's there. No sign Jesus ever showed up. It's because they want to live their life for themselves. Here's a, it's not a fair exchange, see? They want Jesus to die for their sins in my place. Jesus died for me in my place. But I want to live and be the boss of my life and do whatever I want to do and think whatever I want to think and let Jesus do everything he's supposed to do and I don't want to do what I'm supposed to do. And that is live for the one who died for you. So that's just the formula. It'll work for you. It'll work for anybody. But we want to make sure that we explain what true salvation is. And the plan of salvation was Jesus would give his life, but you'd give yours and they'd give theirs. And that's how it works in exchange a life for a life. And we can be pretty sure if we, if we don't follow this pattern, it's just going to be dead, dull, empty religion with a bunch of rules and just being less carnal. You know, I don't know if we're more spiritual, but you go to start going to church and you become less carnal. <laughs> so that's not, less carnal is not being spiritual. All right, that's the point. So anyway, I want to tell you a story now. Uh, 
about what happened to me and how I answered it. We had been in, you know, we talked before about the Smith and Outpouring and the revival days from 1996 up to about 2000. And uh, in that small town of 532 people, thousands of people came, you know. And uh, the services, I'd show up about 6 o'clock, 6.15, something like that. And they were already, people were already praying. And there'd be a line outside, people waiting to get in. And uh, then the service would start at 7. And uh, we'd get done about 10 o'clock and uh, the service and start praying for people around 10 o'clock. Now, we had to do that because as the crowds grew, the city passed an ordinance for a sound ordinance that by 1030, they didn't want the band playing anymore. So by 1030, then we'd switch over to something, you know, a tape or something, you know, CD. And uh, so anyway, one night we did that and it went extra late that night. The crowd stayed to be prayed for and it got later and later. So now uh, it's late. I'm still there. I'm the only one there. And it's about one o'clock in the morning and I haven't left yet. I'm getting ready to go. And an email came across. I had a little tiny office there. We, well, actually, we all shared the same tiny office and an email came across. And normally I wouldn't have noticed it. But being one o'clock in the morning, no other mail was coming in. And this email came across. And I think it was some kid. I didn't know who he was. Just uh, he, he kind of told a little bit about him. And he says, here's my question for you. I got a question for you. And, and it was such a big question, you know, and all of a sudden he comes across and says, when, when is the end of the world? When is the world going to end? Now, I thought about that. One o'clock in the morning, it's going to probably take me most of the night just to try to answer everything I know about the end of the world. And I thought about it, and I think the Holy Spirit just, you know, gave me some grace and mercy so I could go on and go home and gave me one of the greatest answers that's helped even change my life and so many people's lives. So anyway, it comes in, bang, there it is. And he says, when is the end of the world? When is the, end, the world going to end? And I wrote back to him this. He said, I wrote back, Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. I said, for me, my world has come to an end. My world ended. The end of the world came to me when I met Jesus Christ. My world was over. And that was my end of the world. And by the way, people who ask usually ask, when is the end of the world or how's the world going to end? They're usually worldly. <laughs> they want to know because they love it and they like it and they're afraid of it. But we who already have ended our lives and to serve Jesus, I've been crucified with Christ, so I no longer live. My world is over. Then I'm not a bit worried about the end of this physical world. I, 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 want, I want it to end. I want to go into the day of righteousness where righteousness reigns, but I want everybody we can get to go in with us and understand how salvation works, that he gave his life, now you give your life, and your world comes to an end. Paul said, I no longer live. Well, there's no way of getting around to what he meant. You know, he's still alive, but his world came to an end through Jesus Christ. And that's the way we're supposed to. We're supposed to lose our lives. I've met, met so many people. I'm, I'm trying to find myself. I, you know, and I, if they're Christians, I say, well, you're going the wrong way. <laughs> you're supposed to lose yourself and find Jesus Christ. So he says, but Christ lives in me. That was his. I no longer live. But Christ, the Messiah, Jesus, lives in me now. And so that's, that's really what this is all about when we begin to understand and uh, 
get that same heart and that same activity to where God sends somebody to us and they help us understand. This is how salvation works. He gave his life for you so you can give your life to him. And you can die to all those things. You die to the world. You die to your old ways. And you just open your heart up and say, I want the way of Jesus. I want the will of Jesus. And I want the word of Jesus. And when you do that, then you'll find that new creature comes because you have to become new, right? You have to become new because your world just ended. The old world ended and the new world for you has begun. Well, I'm so glad you joined us today. Father, in the name of Jesus, help everybody that's hearing these words to get it. Don't let them wrestle with it. God, just to convict them of trying to wrestle with it because if you wrestle with it, that means you want to hang on to your world. But the gospel is we give up our world for a better world with Jesus Christ. Help them in the name of Jesus to get this revelation of what salvation is. Okay, and when we get that, then we can not only have personal revival, we can be a revivalist. We can help other people understand why this might not be working for them. Why the church is dull and dead and just going nowhere. Well, now you know you can become a revivalist and say, I I can tell you why. Because this works on our lives for your lives. That's how it works. And you can be a revivalist too. Well, God, we pray that you open the heavens and come down in glory and power and might and revive me, revive you, revive us, revive America and revive the world in Jesus' name. So until next time, bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Revive Us Now podcast with Steve Gray. Push the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode and spread the word on social media. For more episodes and resources, go to reviveusnowpodcast.com. Until next time, keep on running for revival.